As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not this man, this man who sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed, and he came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said it is he. Others said no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and he anointed my eyes. And he said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been been blind Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see now? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing that I do know that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? 
He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see me see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, dear saints, stories of the blind receiving their sight, they have become synonymous with our Christian faith. And probably the most obvious example being our great hymn, the song Amazing Grace, the song that believers and unbelievers alike sing when there seems that there's nothing else that we can say or do. We simply sing, I was blind, but now I see. Familiarity, though, rarely helps us in understanding the Bible, our scriptures. Take, for instance, our gospel text that is in front of us today. It is one of those narratives that many from within the church could quote with great accuracy and work through most of its meaning without pausing even to take a breath. But when we slow down, however, there is before us a very difficult narrative. It's hard to comprehend. It's hard to understand. First of all, did you happen to notice that the blind man not once 
calls out to Jesus himself. In fact, the very first time that this man says anything is only after the miracle itself had taken place. But then he becomes the center of attention, not because of the compassion of Jesus or his own plea to be healed, but this happens when the disciples notice that Jesus has seen him. And I wonder how many times on a daily basis that beggars and afflicted people would be seen by Jesus in the streets. But this time was different. When the disciples noticed Jesus looking at this blind man, they turned to him. And in a bit of curiosity, they make him the object of the lesson, if you like. And they ask this question, Lord, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents? Since he was born blind. Now let that sink in for a moment. The disciples see someone suffering. And instantly their thoughts race to who's at fault. Clearly somebody had to have done wrong by our God. Or this wouldn't have happened. Can you imagine how this man must have felt? Because of how the disciples treated him. He is unknown to the disciples and to Jesus, and yet they deem it fitting to stand before him and make circumstantial judgments about this man, his family, and their sinfulness. How quick are we to assume that, well, he deserved it, that his blindness was earned either by him or his parents? Can you imagine the implications of him earning in this life the punishment that he received at conception. The disciples suggest that he was going to do something so bad, so outlandish, that he was punished for it even before his life started. And Jesus, he sees right through this. But... Before we get into Jesus' response to the disciples and even to this man that was born blind, let's jump forward a little bit in the story to the Pharisees. Now, at this stage, the man born blind, he's been healed. His family and his neighbors, well, they're in a state of disbelief. Does this man have an identical twin roaming the same streets? They challenge him to tell his story. So he tells them, I was blind. He put mud in my eyes and sent me to wash in the pool. And when I washed my eyes, I could see. He can't tell them what Jesus looks like. He can't tell them where Jesus is. It all happened in the dark, so to speak. And when he finally washed his face, well, he couldn't see, but he, he could see, but he couldn't see who had helped him. Or does he even know why? 
There were still parts of his story that he seemed to be in the darkness about. And it didn't matter how the crowd pressed him. Just like at the beginning, he is in the middle as a curiosity at the prodding of these people around him. And it gets worse. Those neighbors and friends, they take him to the Pharisees. Now, normal protocol calls for this man to be presented to the priests of the temple. As we remember from Luke 17 of the 10 lepers, Jesus, he told them to go to the priests to have their healing confirmed. Now, the Pharisees, they didn't do this. So being taken to the Pharisees was to create a stir around Jesus and who he actually was. The Pharisees, they had already decided that anyone who called Jesus the Messiah would be cast out of the temple. It's a fact reiterated in the story as the man's parents are brought in to testify. And they simply, they just throw him under the bus. They were so afraid of themselves being cut off from this community that they dared not celebrate this miracle that their son had just received. Instead, they distanced themselves from him. And so the circumstantial judgments abound. Is Jesus a sinner or not? Is this a man, is this man allowed to be healed or not? Is this miracle the work of God or not? This poor man in their midst just becomes a pawn in a much bigger conversation and critique of the nature of sin and the work of God. What is perhaps most striking in this narrative is that the Pharisees and the disciples Well, they begin at the very same place when they see this man. Judgment and condemnation. It's accepted without reservation by both of these groups that this suffering is a result of sin. And that the only thing to decide is where does this guilt lie? Who's to blame? The only difference between these two groups, the Pharisees and the disciples, is how their part in these events comes to a conclusion. Ultimately, in the Pharisees, we see what happens when the gospel doesn't curb our own discrimination. The disciples and their curiosity could have gone on the same path as the Pharisees, except Except Jesus stops them. That's the only difference. And therein lies the great lesson for us as God's people. We are not so different. The Lord knows that we have the same tendencies to lay blame, to make circumstantial judgments, to cast accusations without knowing the truth. The disciples, they had no interest in helping this man. 
They were more interested in an excuse that helped them to not be concerned about this man. If Jesus tells us that he deserves it, well then, it must be okay. If only suffering in our world was that easy to deal with. Yet we often act like it is. As the people of God, there have been far too many occasions where we have tried to discern meaning or purpose behind things. This punishment is for sin. That happened because they didn't trust in God. This was due to their lack of faith. That was probably because they didn't pray enough. This is an attack of the devil. This is your fault. And it goes on and on. Blame and accusations. If anything, all we do is add guilt and shame to people that are already grieving. It's not enough that this man was born blind, but he must be ashamed about where it all went wrong. Does he need to blame his parents or should he blame himself? Perhaps the most profound thing in this narrative is that in the midst of it all, there is a profound miracle. In verse 32, our reading states that nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. Now, this should be a moment of great celebration of glorifying and praising our God. This is a first. And it happens right there in front of them all. But no. They're more interested in the murky depths of this man's soul rather than the heights that Jesus lifted this crushed soul to. The crowd were more interested in trying to guess what was really going on. Logic and reason. Now, the Bible does not afford us the privilege of making such claims. We do not get to guess at the purposes of God as if there were ours to discover. To do so claims that there is a works righteousness. There is a means outside of Jesus to sway our Lord's favor or to root out a person's failings. And like this blind man associated with them or even their family as the cause of their suffering. Jesus is not more or less likely to love and care for his people based on their performances. This man did not earn either his blindness or his healing. To try and judge for ourselves outside of the word of God itself how we are to understand meeting is really to judge others for ourselves and take that from the completed work of God in Jesus Christ. 
And Jesus sees right through this. Because he's not even done with this blind man yet who still reminds somewhat in the darkness. His interrogation at the hands of the Pharisees ends with them assuming to have the power of cutting this man off from the Lord. And as he is cast out, we read for the first time that Jesus actually seeks him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? The conversation is no longer about the state of the man's sinfulness before God, but his trust in God. He is drawn out of himself and trying to work out from the inside out why he received his sight. And Jesus, he invites him to see from the outside in. He is not cut off from God, despite the judgments of others. He is not an outsider, despite what others may think. Jesus draws this man to himself, just like the miracle was an act of grace. Now the invitation to live truly in the presence of God comes as an act of grace as well. This spiritually blind man doesn't know Jesus or what he is here for. But as Jesus offers him true spiritual sight, this man finally truly sees. He is brought out of the darkness. Now the story is taken up mostly by a concern with this man's sin. But by the end, whether he's a sinner or not doesn't even get a mention. The only question that truly remains is, do you believe? And that question creates the true distinction. Sin and the miracle are ultimately not the gospel message, nor are they the point in our own lives. Instead, we come to see Jesus who sees more than we could ever comprehend and still chooses to give us the eyes of faith and the trust in him as our Lord. Anything less is not enough. Anything less lacks the power to save. When Jesus promises through this blind man that the works of God would be revealed, he is not limiting it to this one specific miracle, as great as that may be, but to the greater work of salvation, where our guilt is truly taken away. It's taken to the cross, where we see the Son of Man lifted up, and looking on him, we truly live. Dear saints, whatever you are suffering of as a Christian, know this, it is not God's punishment for your sins. It's rather something that God can use in a mysterious way 
to help you truly see him. May you not be distracted by your sin. May you see through the temptation to place blame, to provide answers. Answers that God has not ordained you to answer. May you instead see in all things an opportunity that the works of God might be displayed through Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior for you. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Now may he bring you out of the darkness and grant you peace. The peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, may it guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Now would be a great time for us to rise and sing together Amazing Grace. Oh. Uh.